You're listening to the Knowing Motherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Linnell Peters, and it's an honor to walk alongside you in motherhood, whether the journey is just beginning or you're right in the thick of it. I believe that your worth as a mother is not based on your performance and that your greatest strength is the love that you have for your children, whether they're in your arms or only in your heart. My prayer is that this little corner of the podcast world will leave you feeling more equipped, more hopeful, and less alone than when you arrived. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Um, We are at episode 32 today, and I am joined by Pat Vietemer, who is the president of the board at Life Canada. And we're going to be discussing the very real issues that we're facing in regards to abortion in Canada. Our lack of laws regarding abortion in this country speaks volumes about the value we place on life, not only life in the womb, but the emotional, mental, and spiritual health of our women and their families. This topic is one that I believe we all need to be better informed about because it affects each one of us in numerous ways, whether we realize it or not. The devaluing of human life through the legalization of abortion only encourages many of the atrocities pro-abortion advocates insist it's helping. And we need to step back and take a close look at how healthy families are being threatened more every day by the blind eyes so many turn towards this issue. Pat offers us so much solid truth as we discuss the reality of consequences following abortion, societal pressures that make abortion look like an easy way out of pregnancy while leaving women hurting and alone in their regret. And we discuss the misinformation regarding the often looked upon gray area of rape and incest cases and why choosing life is always the best decision for both mother and baby. I pray you hear the heart of compassion that both Pat and I share in regards to such a delicate subject and that you're encouraged in your own pursuit of truth in this area if you've been on the fence in any way. Please um, make note that this episode ends a little bit abruptly and that is because um, this is actually a two-part conversation and in the second episode with Pat, we're going to be discussing how to talk with our children about the topic of abortion and what it looks like to raise them to see the true value of all life. So that will be next week. There'll be another new episode next week. Um, for now, let's listen to my conversation with Pat Wiedemer on the value of mother and child. Pat, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you very much for having me, Lanella. It's delighted to be here. And I've just learned how to say your last name. It's Wiedemer. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, it is. It's German uh, in its origin, and that's why it's a little bit different for Canadians <laughs> to uh, oh, get that, okay. that funny W into a V. <laughs> oh, okay. Did you? S- okay, so it actually, s- how do you say it again? Say it for me. Vidimer. Oh, Vidimer. So I, I didn't get I didn't say it correctly. <laughs> well, you're pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> no, that's that's awesome, though. I'm glad to know that. Yeah, you probably get the W sound all the time then. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. The, it, my husband was German, and uh, that's why I have a German name now. <laughs> okay. Well, my maiden name is, is German as well, so I, I do relate to that a little bit. So I would love, I'm just, I'm so grateful that you're joining me today. We are going to be talking about an incredibly important subject that I wanted to talk about more thoroughly in this space. Um, So why don't you share a little bit about yourself um, with us and um, what, what you're currently doing in the season of life with Life Canada and anything else you want to share about yourself personally? Well, thank you. I'd be delighted. Um, we met because I am the director, uh, not the director, pardon me, the president, <laughs> president yes. of the board of Life Canada National. And that's my capacity. I work in that. I've been on the board there for a number of years. And as usual, things get always get turned around with new elections. And so now this is my turn as um, the president of the board. And we've re-brand- recently rebranded to Life Canada National and brought in a few new changes in that direction. One of the other things I do is I'm the executive director for PEI Life in the province of Prince Edward Island. And I work in that capacity here on the provincial level, so nationally and provincially. And both these organizations align with one another in teaching about the fundamental of the dignity of the human person beginning from conception on through to natural death. And Mm -hmm. we are educational bodies 
So our main line is to teach and to bring awareness to the difficulties in our country in this particular area right now and to uh, bring out the value and dignity of the human person in all aspects by our teaching and avenues. The other thing, of course, I am is I'm a mom. <laughs> I've had five children and two of my children have babies themselves. So I'm a proud grandmom of three and uh, very delighted about that. And uh, I'm also a widow. So I've gone through uh, different phases in my life and which gives every person in different ways unique insight into life and the challenges that we face, plus the, the beauty and the, the joys of the mm. different lifestyles we share right now. So wow. that's basically where I am at the moment. We've been living in PEI for over seven years now. We moved back from Germany. I mentioned my husband was German. And when he passed away, we decided to move back to PEI where I had grown up and have been involved in the Canadian landscape since then. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. It's nice to hear a little bit about your, yeah, you have this life experience that really values life and at every stage. And so I'm grateful that you are willing to share more insight on what is happening here in Canada specifically um, and in, in terms of, of abortion laws or lack thereof. Um, but before we get into that, would you mind sharing a little bit with us about what is abortion and why do you believe that we are called to fight for the unborn? Okay, abortion is defined as the direct and intentional killing of an unborn child. That means the child in the womb, often depending on its development as an embryo or fetal development, um, is then removed from the womb of the mother and its life is ended. Um, and since it's directly um, sought out, this is considered uh, a grave, and I'll use the religious word sin or uh, offense against humanity would be mm -hmm. the, the secular way of describing that. Right. as uh, the Christian population would say that it's a soul being lost as well in that. But uh, humanity and basic biology teaches us and shows us that this is a human being with a unique and individual DNA separate from the mother. That's right. That's right. And this is why this is a grave uh, evil, I would call it, in mm -hmm. our society today. We lose out, the child dies of this, and the mother is, of course, deeply wounded uh, by this act because the, the womb should be the most uh, protective place for yes. new life. And in the, the sanctity, the intimacy, the unity of the, the bond of the mother and the child is all violated through this very violent act of abortion, which is uh, performed either surgically or chemically in our country right now. Yeah, that's very well put. Why do you think so many people right now justify the outrageous, outrageous, I mean, some of the things right now that are mm -hmm. coming from the people who are um, fighting against the pro-life movement, especially in the United States with Roe v. Wade being turned over. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just egregious to see what's going on there. But why do they think they are so justified to fight for their right to kill babies in the womb? Well, every age uh, brings with it its the positive and the negative aspects of humanity. And if we were to do a little historical survey, I mean, you can go back to all different types of cultures and times where the one or the other type of activity or behavior attitudes was promoted over another. If you speak of the Roman Empire, for example, it's very similar to our period of time where people were looked on as chattel, as uh, property, um, slaves and so forth. And the child fell into that that category that it was mm. um, based its value was based on its status of how it came into the world, whether it was male or female and things like this. So our society right now, we live in a very, very subjective period of humanity. Um, it's all about my goals, my wishes, the expression, you do you, I'll do me. <laughs> We're all good. There's, there's a desire to have no uh, borderlines, no recognition of 
uh, of evil even in that, that uh, you can use expressions like, oh, it's all good, it's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, when we use that kind of term, when actually something's happened that's annoyed us and it's not good, but you know, we're trying to be tolerant and we're trying to be, mm, uh, yeah. you know, peacekeeping. We like to keep peace and that's good. I mean, those things are, are virtues. Um, but do we do this at an expense of uh, someone's life? And yeah. this is where the conflict arises. It is wonderful, absolutely wonderful, that women can pursue careers and fulfill their lives in the many talented ways. Um, yeah. But one of the things about being a woman is that we do conceive babies. So when do we draw a line saying that my desires as an individual woman can cross over or end the life of another human being. Um, and this is where we have a conflict. So um, if you're going to buy into the purely autonomous view of the world, that me over you attitude that's so prevalent in our society, um, then someone's got to give and that's going to be the weaker. And in this case, mm-hmm. it's the, the babe in the womb. Um, we have to find a way in our society to do both and it should never be either or Mm -hmm. (laughs) the woman needs support the baby needs support and i would also put a little uh, admonishing call in there to be responsible for you know the actions that we do take in many of the cases um you know children come into the world because we we know this act leads to to children so we shouldn't be surprised that pregnancies occur um I'm not, you know, in any way, shape, or form, want to, to say that any of the atrocities or violations of this this wonderful act of love between a man and a wife, woman, um, uh, should be, uh, you know, condoned when we're speaking of atrocities like rape and and such things. Yeah. That those are yeah. the um, a special circumstance that we need to have a special conversation on on those areas. But generally, in our society today. Um, this is where the conflict lies that in some way um, society believes that a woman is less than what she could be in the boardroom if she stays home and is a mother Um, Mm, if she chooses to care for her children in an age of choice it's almost anachronistic when the woman says well i do want to stay home and have children and look after my family and the um, Society says, yeah, but uh, you're not earning anything, so you're not valuable to us, and you should have a tax receipt and, you know, be (laughs) productive in that way. Oh, it just drives Um, me so crazy. (laughs) It's just so wrong, and it just, it diminishes that beautiful and significant role that women hold in the home. It's absolutely, absolutely. it's just the most precious thing, um, and it's just being destroyed by that mindset, yeah. Yes. And, you know, my personal experiences uh, has been that I hold three postgraduate degrees. So um, it's not about women not being educated. You can be Mm -hmm. educated and you can still say, you know, right now I'm going to choose for my family. And I did. That was my choice to raise my five children because I felt when I looked at that, that I am their mother. They're going to get no one else but me. I am the one. I am the Mm -hmm. world for these five children. And yes, I had support out and around, but I'm the main person. And that relationship with my children was, for me at that time, uh, so valuable that I felt right now um, I'm not going to be a history professor. And (laughs) I was able to combine it with many other things that brought great value to our family. Um, one of which was pursuing another degree. I, mm-hmm. The day I signed up for my secondary, ma- my second master's, I found out I was pregnant with my fifth baby. And wow. I, I sat there and thought, oh, my land, I've just sunk all this money. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, with a new baby, how can it? It's, it's impossible. And, and it was hard, but it was certainly not impossible. And, you um, know, Pat, if I can just um, add to, to that, what you're saying there, I think what, I have been personally learning very recently is that women are choosing abortion in this situation. Yes. And I know that that's what you're getting at. They're choosing abortion. This is, I I think a lot of people listening right now are probably under the impression because this is what is yelled so loudly from the, the, uh, you know, left side of of this topic that Mm -hmm. um, it's rape and incest, you know, and and these other situations and, and maybe disabilities or, you know, terminal diagnosis. But I mean, the fact of the matter is a lot, a large percentage, and you can, you can um, add to this if you don't 
don't mind because mm-hmm. you'll know the numbers better than I do. But a lot of the women going in are are already mothers. Um, yes, uh, that is quite true. Um, I, I can't cite statistic for you here because I'd probably get it wrong. Um, it's okay. But a large number of women are repeat uh, seekers, so they've had a right. they've had a child. Um, this is one aspect where it's really hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it comes back to the, the initial statement you made there. They've bought into, um, and quite frankly, let's call it a lie. We've been told yep. since basically since I came out of high school that a woman can have it all. Um, you know, you want to be an astrophysicist, you go ahead, girl. <laughs> you got yeah, this. Yeah. You know, you want to be a mom, you can be that too. You, you want yeah. to have, you know, the uh, the wildlife, you can have that. You, we could have it all. There were there were simply there was no more restrictions, and that's never true. That that's simply a lie against any person. No one can have it all. We must no. make choices in our lives, Absolutely. and we are called as humans for the good of humanity to choose good things you know the, all all societies work towards that end so that human flourishing mm-hmm. can take place and that i do well and that my children do well and my neighbor does well and this is the 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 norm of a healthy society and that's why societies always flourished when mm-hmm. they maintain those rules and those those parameters in order to allow that flourishing to develop mm-hmm. um, and somewhere along the line um, in trying to oppose some of the the difficulties of women being able to engage in society, particularly in the post-war period, when our mothers and grandmothers were saying, you know, I, I would like to go out and work and were prohibited by various things, that those, those were injustices and they were mm. removed out of the way. And now we have the society where it's gone almost overboard um, in in what we need the uh, to be recognized as women fully in society today yeah so you know um i was told you know you can have it all it'll be great and i think many women were from all sorts of different uh areas from society from school educational institutions from churches and you know life then unfolded (laughs) and here we are 20 30 years ago and oh my gosh how come this is not a happily ever after here like how come i have these difficulties you know and life is tough and uh, there's always more months than money (laughs) at the end of the day Um, these kinds of things where we realize there's challenges regardless whatever we choose in life um, there's always going to be a consequence to it now they can be great consequences and they can be unforeseen consequences which bring beauty and joy into a life that we've never even anticipated um, amazing us as uh, as i experienced with my degree not only um, did i say well i have to continue in my my masters and also have the baby and look after baby number five and how is it going to work and i was blown away at how how beautiful this was in my whole family because I would have to say to my older children well I have to study and well we have to study and you have to study mummy and it became a family engagement so education became an extremely important and a central aspect where everyone in the family could participate it was not just mum and kids but we were kind of on the same level in that regard which was uh, um, delightful to see that they saw I had to work hard and had a goal um, that inspired my own daughters and my sons to Mm. work hard on their goals I see that now as adult uh, children when they're talking to me about their pursuits and the dreams they have uh, that that has has uh, been passed on to them and I see it in the way my daughter and son and uh, their spouses are raising their own children now so little did I know way back then when I said yes I'm still going to do it that this would have now into the second generation effects of that attitude that said yes we can make this happen and uh, it's going to be difficult and there might be things that needed to change the children needed to the my older ones were like 12 around that time so they could help with the kitchen work and the home things and um, took on responsibilities for the family and their younger siblings as well which um, made them to an all-around better people I think so yeah those are unforeseen that people consequences that people don't talk about and the reason I think uh, it's hard to think see those things from your own perspective because 
a woman who is unexpectedly pregnant is in a crisis. People right. never see straight in crises. That's why we call them crises. Right. <laughs> otherwise, no, that's it's just true. A, mm-hmm. <laughs> otherwise, it's a normal day, but it's not a normal and, day. And Something when that woman changed. in yeah. crisis is is offered this quick out, and it's sugar coated to sound like it's going yeah. to just be quick and easy and no worries. You've not done anything wrong. If it's been handed to her on yeah. a platter. Right? I've heard so yeah. many stories of women making this choice and immediately the regret. And, and yeah. you know, it's funny because yes. you also hear women say, oh, I've never regretted it for a second. But, you know, every time I hear that, which yeah. just hasn't been many times, but when I've heard yeah. it, I, I don't believe them. I just don't. I yeah. know that there is a devastation in their hearts, but for whatever reason, they're choosing to deny that, right? Yeah. There is always a devastation of that life being cut off from a woman. And um, I just wanted to say, I want to say that I'm, I just think what you're sharing about your own story is, is really beautiful and really true. And I think that even the fact alone that your kids kn- know now as mm-hmm. adults themselves that you chose life and that yeah. you 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 did it this as a family effort mm-hmm. together. I mean, what a powerful message even if there were stressful times and moments right in trying to manage mm-hmm. it all. The fact that you did choose life, it shows courage. Right? Going mm-hmm. and getting an abortion does yeah. not show courage. It it shows a quick yeah. and easy way out and I know that yeah. that sounds a little harsh and again we're talking about these situations yeah. we're not talking about rape and incest and these really difficult things but mm-hmm. you know I think that it shows great courage to choose life great courage um, I'd does. love to yes. hear you share a little bit about your your belief in God as the creator of all life and the way that this informs how you're fighting for justice in this area yeah um, Absolutely. Um, as, uh, um, as a Christian, I, there's no way, no way, I would say no way in heaven, but no way on earth either, that mm-hmm. I can align a, a Christian belief in the author of life, God mm-hmm. himself, having come and been so desirous of a relationship with me, Pat Wiedemer, you know, in 2022, mm-hmm. um, that he was willing to say, you know, in order that we can have this relationship for the rest of your eternal life, I've been waiting for you, Pat, to come and join me. I, because of what happened in our theology, and that's a theological discussion there, um, I'm prepared to open the gates of heaven for you. And he did Mm -hmm. that by the sacrifice of his life. He gave everything that was valuable. And when you understand the Christian message as... God reaching out to me, the author of life, he brought me into this world. He knitted me in my mother's womb, says Psalms. Um, He called me into life. He has plans for me. Throughout Mm -hmm. the Bible, there are multitude of spots there where I now, in 2,000 years later, can read, God wanted me. He wanted Pat Wiedemer in this world, here, right now, in this time. And he wanted the nail there, and he wanted us to come together and have this conversation. Mm-hmm. And here we are, praising him and saying thank you for the for the author for for the life that you've given me. Yes. At no time did he say, "Oh, it's going to be easy peasy," <laughs> you know. No. His life wasn't. <laughs> so you know, stress is a given. Uh, difficulties, challenges. We are not in heaven. We are on earth. This is a fallen world. Um, and we have many challenges that we're faced with. So when I look at the the atrocity of abortion, of the beauty and potential of that life in there, knowing that God has created this unique soul um, and testifiably also from our biological and rational, everything that we know about humanity uh, uh, aligns with the Christian message that God has brought this unique individual into the world. Mm-hmm. For me to say that I have a right to end that child's life, and in some cases for simply because it's inconvenient to me, because that, that is one of the reasons, you know, yeah. um, that out of fear is, I would say, probably the biggest reason why women go. And what do they fear? They fear the loss of their lives. They fear security. They fear, fear you know, uh, economic uh, problems and so forth. I mean, fear is legitimate. Um, yeah. Yeah. But we can work with fear. We can help people with that. We can we can provide uh, apartments. We can provide food. We can provide means and ways for her to be able to deal with the challenges of her individual life. And 
for the baby. We should yeah. not have to pit her against her own child and leave her with with the with the consequences of saying, okay, yeah, but okay, that's um, it's all going to be good. It'll all be good. Yeah. And well, no, no, it's not good. How come I feel this way? A mother who miscarriages uh, is devastated and she has great difficulty, rightly so, aligning mm -hmm. the fact that our society says, well, a nine-week-old uh, embryo or early pregnancy, it's, 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 it's not a baby, you know, don't worry about it. You can get another. It's like talking about a puppy dog, you know? Right. No, this is my child. And the moment every woman is uh, discovered she is pregnant, immediately our minds start taking off on it. It's, it's not even willed. It just happens. Is it a boy? Is it a girl? Will, will it right. look like his father? Yeah. How am I going to all this? Mm -hmm. You know, I, it never ceases to surprise me. Why am I worrying about my baby's university education here when, <laughs> when it's not even yeah. born? You know, but there's a, that's that's the mother's mind. We know this is a child. And right. to to deny that or suppress that and uh, even to end that is is deeply harming to her. And, and it simply uh, is... Is, is not it's it's one of the sins that cry out to uh, to God um, as the Bible says and again emphasize with whoever her harms or leads one of these ones away um, yes. he's better not you know it's better not that he lived and, and speaks yes. of a millstone around our necks uh, the Bible does yes. so that kind of like drives home the point that like no 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 this is not uh, this is not okay we're gonna have to find another way and I believe we are creative enough, smart enough, endowed enough with blessings and grace and ingenuity and creativity and stamina and courage and determination to be able to help every single mother uh, yes. who's expecting a new child, regardless yeah. of her circumstances. They should never be the defining factor of whether we're going to help a mom and her baby. Right. And regardless, right. it has no difference as to where, how that child came into the world. The child is deserving of the full honor and dignity of a human person at yes. all stages, in all ages, and in all phases um, until natural death. And we must, as a society, begin to drive home that truth, that fundamental mm -hmm. truth that mm -hmm. this is the borderline in, in, in all things. So yeah, it, once we've established it, that... Yes. We can move on as to house. That's a simple yes. problem, you know? Yeah, and it's crazy mm. how that line that that mm. shouldn't be so complex has been made so complex. Yeah. Um, and I think that <laughs> if I am not an unusual person that, that like me about seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, a lot of Christians are still riding that line a tiny tiny bit when it comes to the topic of incest and rape and these really yeah. egregious crimes that happen against especially younger women and and even children um we we struggle and so i'm going to mm -hmm. use myself as an example because i just i can't speak for other people though i know the stories are very common out there but we i even as a believer my whole life always considering myself fully pro-life struggled with that mm -hmm. to to reconcile this you know this situation where you know a 13 or 12 or 13 year old girl gets pregnant yeah. uh, at, at not her own choice by her by a, an atrocity acted against her and she's in this position i mean i wrestled with that what happens there is it okay for her to take a pill uh, you know, to quickly end a possible pregnancy. And I always just teetered there, just mm -hmm. teetered, you know. And it was, it's a really tough place to be. And I think a lot of Christians do wrestle with this, Christians and non-Christians that, you know, I'm pro-life, but I just don't really know about this situation. Um, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. what, what do you say when you have a conversation with someone who's just feeling like they they're not quite there. They quite don't know how to explain or how to, ex you know, back yeah. that up. I don't know. Give, give yeah. us some thoughts on that if you can. Well, I think the first thing is that it's good that we are conflicted. <laughs> this yes. is a sign that we're recognizing that this is a, this is a, a huge moral dilemma in, yes. in our society. And it's, uh, it, it's not a, 
the dilemma is not only restricted to the fact that in the case that you're you're describing here that a young girl has been violated and is now expecting a, a child but it's a, it's a moral uh, atrocity on so many areas one that a child was obviously misused and abused in a yes. case like this that they in a in a most offensive way um and i say that because when uh, from the Christian understanding of marriage, the pinnacle of marriage is the husband and wife coming together in this unique and beautiful way. We speak of two becoming one. Yes. And <laughs> nine months later, we can give it a name, the one. <laughs> um, but this is the the most intimate way that we not only give ourselves to, uh, speaking as women, to our husbands and he to us, but we also make present the face of God. We bring a new soul into the world through this way. So in a, in a theological sense, we can speak of the when God said to go forth and multiply, what he's saying is go forth and make my, my face present throughout the world. Bring souls into the world, because this is the way we bring souls into the world, is through this beautiful act of unity of a husband and wife. So when a child is uh, violated in this manner, not only is it going to violate her ability to be intimate with her husband in future years, mm -hmm. but it's also going to violate her ability to relate to God. And this is a grave offense. I mean, capital letters, grave offense yes. against humanity, against her personally, and against God himself, who gave us this beautiful gift. And this is mm -hmm. why we say this particular act is to be used if discretion in the right time and place for the act and the results that it brings about into the world. Um, so that's that's one aspect. This is why when we hear of these things, universally, I think mankind is is uh, shocked and horrified yes. when such stories mm. come to our ears. The other thing that we have in our Christian understanding is that we are compassionate. You know, so what does it mean to be compassionate in the modern sense? It means to, you know, allow the other to uh, to choose what they feel is the best answer. But that's not always the most compassionate thing to do. If we were speaking to a little child, for example, um, the modern understanding, let's say, of compassion would be that my child doesn't feel it's right to go to bed at eight o'clock in the evening. So um, we feel that we'd be more sympathetic with them and allow them to stay up later at night. Now, as mothers, we know, well, come on, that's not going to work. A child's body needs sleep. I have to yeah. enforce bedtime because it's unhealthy for you to not. And I'm going to have to suffer with that child as he protests in his uh, childish ways to saying no to bedtime as we've all gone through as moms. Yeah, that's um, right. But mm -hmm. to suffer with calm passion. Calm means with passion means with the, with the passion, with the emotion, with the, the, the deep felt uh, unity there. So compassion with someone means that I'm suffering with this person, but I'm leading because I'm not the one directly in the crisis. I'm leading that person to a healthy and a positive end through um, this crisis to see better days. That's why we we exercise compassion for poverty by, by giving alms or giving support to families in need. And we know, for example, it's more it's better perhaps to give uh, a pig versus just cash on hand to a family suffering poverty so they can you know grow a farm many programs are like that across our world right. and such so when we speak of these kinds of issues there's multiple levels going on so the we do look at this and say okay where is the where's the absolute borderline what can we ap hang on to as one truth one truth is the child in the womb does not deserve death there's your truth right there. Um, so to uh, choose abortion, which would mean death for the child, and knowing that a pregnancy has happened, that's different than saying uh, we can use uh, some of the medicines that we have to prevent a pregnancy from happening. Um, that's, that's not an offense against growing life. When, when we've established that a pregnancy is there, uh, we do not have the right to end the life of that child in the womb. And there's another child in the picture, the minor, <laughs> the mom yes. who's going to be given, uh, who's going to have to carry this. She is 
absolutely needing of the most tenderest and exquisite care that our mm -hmm. society can bring forth. And it's going to have to happen on the family level. It's going to have to happen on the medical level. It's going to have to happen on the educational, spiritual, and psychological levels. That's just mm -hmm. five off the top of my head there where that young lady is going to need assistance, perhaps even throughout her life because of the atrocity that's been uh, been imposed upon her. The other aspect is that we do have to seek justice on her behalf. So where are the perpetrators? How did it come to that such a circumstance could be? Is she a victim of sexual trafficking? Did it happen in her own home? Was it, you know, in many cases, a familiar a person in the family, a friend, a relative of some sort um, that needs to be brought to justice so that at least in the earthly understanding, she can say justice has been served. Now, perhaps it might need that the child be adopted elsewhere. The, 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 the unborn child is what I'm referring to here. Yes. Um, we have to provide ways and means to make that possible for this child if that should be the best solution for the family to be able to deal with that. In some cases, the, the psychological burden is, is too much. However, if you speak to people who've had and given life to their children after uh, rape or incest, they all say that I never regret it. In fact, this child brought me out of that dark space. And yes, into the I've light. heard that many times um, too. Yes. That he or the little one has been the reason that I've gotten up out of bed and that I've struggled mm -hmm. for another day. Um, yeah. In the case of, again, a, a, a young girl who has this upon her, um, we have to be very sensitive and continually sensitive that she herself is still a child. She's not a full woman yet. You know, she's going to need to be able to still be child <laughs> in many yes. ways. She's yes. 14, perhaps. She's That's a, a young teenager, you know, so she's going mm -hmm. to act and think like a young teenager. We can't expect, suddenly expect her to be, you know, 24 or 34 in her maturity. Um, and, well, that's why I, why I speak of the sensitivity of the... Um, uh, the needs of her are going to be unique and particular to her situation. And uh, we darn well ought to come up with the, with the means to be able to provide that, those resources to these young women. Um, the, we are such a wealthy and rich country that there is no excuse in our Western world today to say that we cannot provide for the appropriate means for a um, victim of that kind of atrocity to find yeah. healing and new hope in uh, today's world. There's simply yeah. no excuse for it. And instead of taking the easy out of saying, well, we could just get rid of the baby, because what that does, it leaves a young mother with a dead baby. It leaves a young mother most likely in a very vulnerable situation, because if there's no baby, there was no incest. <laughs> there's mm. going to be no punishment. The perpetrators are not going to be brought to, to justice. Uh, the one yeah. who received the death sentence is the, the infant and yeah. not the actual, the one who committed the crime. And yes. what about the psychological um, uh, care for this young woman? If the baby's not there, well, then it didn't happen, did it? It wasn't a baby, we'll say instead. So you have no reason to be upset. Go back to school. Go back mm. to work. Go back and do your things. And we leave her uh, unhelped, alone, vulnerable, isolated, and uh, um, deeply, deeply wounded. And right. that's our fault. That if we permit allow that to happen, then we will be held accountable uh, for that. And perhaps, perhaps that that's one of the grave problems in our society today. Uh, the statistic is one in four. It might even be as one as high as one in three right now of women who have had or experienced an abortion. So that means you know there's one woman, there's one child in that. There's a husband or a boyfriend in that so that's mm -hmm. two adults each mother has a set of parents each father had a set of parents so that's four grandparents there's there's aunties cousins sisters uncles uh, all those people girlfriends all this people we all in some way shape or form have contact to someone who's had an abortion and there's a missing life there there should be a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 20-year-old maybe. Uh, there should be women who are grandmoms who will not be that because there should be dads who will be granddads um, and fathers and such who are not going to be that anymore or in that right. fullness of capacity. They're a father, all right, but they're a father of a, of, 
of a deceased child. And um, this is wounding our society, I believe, in one of the ways which uh, I read an article this week about uh, pregnancy loss is um, women who have had an abortion and then later uh, find themselves pregnant in their life. And they're happy about this new arrival um, and perhaps they miscarriage. It's one of the consequences of uh, abortion is a higher rate of miscarriage. But That's right. miscarriage yeah. can happen on many reasons. But so let's say this woman experiences a miscarriage and it might be even in her own home you know mm -hmm. and she suddenly sees the, the humanity of this nine week old embryo it's got little toes and eyes and nose and mouth um <laughs> fingernails and, mm -hmm. and and such a unique individual hu human person and now all of a sudden not only has she lost this baby but the full realization of what she'd done in her previous years now comes comes back to her, something that she's left in denial and said, it didn't happen, I don't want to think about it, it was gone, it's finished, all of a sudden, everything comes back up at her. Mm -hmm. And what does she hear from, say, well, it was just a miscarriage, what are you worried about? You can have another. And then she says, well, why do I feel this way? <laughs> why is my life crumbling beside me? And all of a sudden, nothing seems important except this child. And what would my other child, I was perhaps 12 weeks at that time, you know, what yeah. What did that mean? Where would I be? What consequences did that have for my life now? And all of a sudden this comes back to her and the, we need to be exercising, you know, considerable more attention to the needs of women who now are beginning to see what, what they've actually experienced. And in some cases, what they admittedly did out of their own free will, perhaps yeah. even willingly and wantingly. Um, a girlfriend of mine, um, she expressed to me that she'd had an abortion when she was 19. Um, she was in a relationship with a, a boyfriend whom she had never intended to marry. That was not not the right chap for her, apparently. And her family had a genetic uh, disorder, and she did not want her baby to carry that uh, disorder or have that uh, disease. Um, in their life so she was concerned about that and got herself some tests and discovered that the boy the little baby is going to be a boy and the chances of him having uh, muscular dystrophy in this case was going to be very high so at this point she's five months pregnant and she confides in her sister who is a nurse and her mum, who had raised her of course and the brothers and together they decided that it would be best that she abort this child now at five months it's it's quite the procedure which is very graphic and yes. uh, traumatizing mm -hmm. in every regard um, mm -hmm. for her now years later it's been some 20 25 years later where she was telling me this and i asked this do, do you regret it you have another son they adopted a, a child um, she could never conceive again um, she didn't want to either out of fear for the genetic issues um, but they were blessed with this one adopted uh, child. I said, do you ever regret your your first boy? Never, never, not at all. No, no, no. <laughs> anyway, it mm. came back as like, wow, that was fast. <laughs> it wasn't even right. a contemplation. It says, methinks thou dost protest too much. And <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. We yeah. got into the conversation. And, you know, for me to sit there and talk with her about this, it's not only that she... Uh, admitted and said yes I ended the life of my child but my own mother and my sister helped me so it's not just about her um, there's going to need to be healing with her mother and her sister and mm -hmm. I said what did your father say about it and he said well he said he didn't agree with it but he didn't say anything more so that fatherly paternal role of protecting his children right. from harm uh, he didn't come forward he abandoned her on that mm. so in he healing in this is not just about the mom and the babe um, there's so many other levels in there yes, that we as a yes. society are going to have to address and I think that's one of the uh, the I, I don't know that we can call it the greatest but it's certainly one of the most gravest uh, issues we're dealing with in our society which might explain the other social difficulties we have you know the high increase of divorce the uh, wanton use of of drugs in our society Canada's dealing with a huge problem uh, with that the mm -hmm. the escapist mentality of putting out um, you know access to to uh, 
you know, street legal drugs and things like this, the, uh, right. high use of alcoholism and so forth. Um, these are all social ills that our society is paying through the nose to try and correct mental health issues. You know, yes. and all the mental health issues were blaming COVID there, but I'm sorry, mental health issues existed long before. COVID right. was just the straw that broke the camel's back and everything's now burst open. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, when you burst a bubble like that, sometimes it's it's very painful and it's not yeah. very happy, but it does bring on healing if dealt with correctly. So maybe this is an opportunity, and I'm, I'm quite optimistic in that regard, that now that some cards are on the table, we can start addressing some of the core issues. Stop treating symptomatically, but go into the core issues of why our society is hurting. Yeah, I love hearing that, and I agree uh, wholeheartedly. Um, we're going to talk now a little bit about, thank you for all everything that you just shared. I, um, I, You know, one of the things that I love hearing is your genuine love and concern for these mothers facing yeah. Um, unexpected pregnancy, whatever whatever the reason, mm-hmm. uh, it is a beautiful thing to hear, and it's encouraging to me because the the other side, the pro-choice mm-hmm. side of this debate, is uh, often likes to accuse pro-lifers of not mm-hmm. caring about the mother. So yeah. everything you've just shared just counteracts that argument. Um, yeah. entirely and I'm, I'm really grateful for it yeah. what are Canada's current laws right now we mm-hmm. um, I follow you know a live action Oregon in the mm-hmm. states and we see so much happening right now in the U.S. that is positive I mean there's also a lot of um, really awful things still occurring mm-hmm. because of the fight back that the overturning of Roe versus Wade has has um, brought about but we we just see so many louder voices in the U.S. and it's been so difficult for me personally to come across Canadian voices and media channels and influencers and people who are speaking up and and fighting this. And the crazy thing to me is that here in Canada we have really no laws. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I. I, and it is um, outrageous that there is literally nothing happening here, or is there? Can you share a little bit about what the current laws are about are about abortion, and um, what kind of progress are are we making any progress here, and what what needs to change? Oh well, I, well lots needs to change. Change is always good. I like change. <laughs> yes, change especially. means hope. Change means growth. So I'm not yes. scared of change, and it's a given. If there's one thing we can always rely on, it's there's things are going to change. Right. Um, we can only go uphill here. Is that right? <laughs> we are in an uphill battle. That's right. And one, yeah. you know, the uphills means that there's going to be a pinnacle, and then there's going to be we the the we're 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 riding high, and uh, we will succeed in our goals. In fact, the whole Roe v. Wade. Um, episode this past summer is a wonderful, wonderful sign of hope. I mean, truly a miracle um, and revolutionary in the pro-life yeah. movement to see this happening in our time. Mm-hmm. Um, in the core of people's hearts and minds, I don't think the Americans ever doubted that it would get overturned. They knew it was an unjust law and they they were just waiting the day. But to actually experience it, is quite the is is you know it's like wonderful times that we live in and mm-hmm. um, uh, so in Canada let's bring it into the Canada the Canadian situation is that we are in fact the only democracy in the entire world with no legal restrictions on abortions um, most countries uh, even the most ardent have uh, uh, some sort of restriction uh, to uh, the 12th week or maybe 20th week or pain requirements uh, uh, on part of the baby uh, to restrict it to those those areas uh, but we in Canada we have zip nothing and it's a unique situation so it's hard to remove a law or change a law if you haven't got a law there so that's one of the problems we're up against yeah yeah. Um, it came to this in 1969 
when the omnibus bill was passed, which began to, which was the first allowance of abortion in our country. And it was done under very strict conditions and it had to go, uh, any woman seeking abortion had to go through an, a, a therapeutic abortion committee. That was under uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau's uh, government. In 1988, uh, the Supreme Court struck down that law uh, on the basis, there was a case by Mauerkenthaler who brought it forth, saying that this is unfair. Um, all women can't get to a therapeutic abortion committee fast enough to meet those that 12-week window and therefore they're unjustly treated. Fairness uh, was not being maintained there. So that's why the law was struck down. It was not struck down because Canada wanted a free-for-all for abortion. It was struck down with the firm intent that this was now passed back to Parliament in order to establish appropriate law for Canadians. And that never happened. There were a couple of attempts through the 1980s and 90s, but uh, it's gotten to the point that we have today where our Prime Minister has, uh, as a reaction to Rotary Aid, said, I want to ensconce a right to abortion. That not only that is it permitted and tolerated in that, that sense, but we are going to actually advocate for and encourage uh, by allowing this to be a right um, under the understanding that abortion is healthcare, and I say that in quotation marks because healthcare means health. It doesn't mean death. Um, and an action, a medical procedure that brings about death intentionally is not healthcare. It can never be healthcare. That's right. So let's stop talking, but let's call it what it is. At least be truthful. So yeah. this leads us to our situation in Canada, where uh, the pro-life movement, as a reaction, as in early uh, 1970s, there as a reaction to the 1969 law, said uh, we can't permit abortions. This is wrong. This is this is the line of which we're not allowed to cross. So many of the groups cr were created at that time have long histories that go back to there. The Prince Edward Island group that I work with, uh, they were founded in 1974 and some in 1970. So they were uh, the basically, and I'd, I'd say basically the Christian communities, but it's not restricted to the Christian communities. Uh, we're on top of this saying, okay, this is a human life and we have to protect life. And the right to life movement grew out of that uh, scenario, not only in Canada, but in uh, USA and other places in the world where these laws were being uh, opened up and the the restrictions on abortions were now being dropped. Uh, so Canadian case, we moved into that and it developed three different arms of the movement. So generally we can speak of a uh, educational arm, you can speak of a pastoral or education and pastoral are usually put into one block. Pastoral might be pregnancy care centers, for example. Educational groups would be the Life Canada group. We're not directly working with a pregnancy care center, but we are educating the broader population on the uh, circumstances and the, the atrocities, we would say, around these topics of life, beginning of life issues and end of life issues. So that's the pastoral area. We also have the uh, political uh, aspect and political might be legal or it might be activist level. These were very popular in the 1970s and 80s and this is where many people's imagery come of the pro-life movement that angry people with signs uh, out on the streets um, shouting and shouting matches from the other side and this very volatile kind of uh, activity um, was very popular back then. Right now that's not so popular but there's lots of activity going on in that there are many groups um, that fall into those categories. In the activist group, we might cite, for example, the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform is one of the groups that works in that direction. We have Campaign Life Coalition, which is another very strong group that works in the activist and political fields. And one that works specifically in the legal fields would be, for example, We Need a Law or Right Now, where their mandate is to uh, create laws or circumstances. What would the law look like? if we have a chance in Parliament to pass a law, what, what kind of a law are we talking about? So that's right. where their specialty lies. We have groups like right now, I gave an example of right now, gets pro-life parliamentarians into Parliament. So you can't pass a law unless you have, have the parliamentarians who are going to pass for the, uh, vote for the law. So we need a majority of people who are pro-life in Parliament. 
and whether they're conservative or liberals that's beside the point it should be that's not the issue it's about getting someone who is going to support a pro-life law to protect uh, all life in Canada um, mm. that uh, we have to have them in Parliament to vote with so that means the grassroots organizations have to canvas the communities and so forth and say if Joe or Jane is going to run for Parliament in your riding do they support life to question them and to get the populace of Canadians to vote for those who are going to pass these kinds of laws to protect life. So that's the political and the activism sides. Some of the activism that often gets a lot of uh, attention are the sidewalk ministries and things like that where they mm -hmm. go out with their signs and uh, educate on the streets of Toronto is one of the cities where they're big, big cities like that. Areas mm -hmm. where um, where the, um, the direct target group is for this. Uh, when I say a target group, I mean one, women who might be seeking abortions, so universities, right. things like that. Um, but it's also an area where uh, the message is really hard to get through. So one of the big things is that when street activists go out, they often say, this is what abortion really is. That is shocking. That, you know, that takes you by... Uh, surprise if you didn't know that that's what an abortion actually is you would be horrified and rightly so that's the appropriate reaction when yeah. you see pictures like this but they also show the life pictures so mm. this is what the child actually looks like in the womb and so they educate on twofold level there and that's a very particular avenue that has great benefit in many particular areas it's not everybody's piece of cake um, uh, so you have to know your audience and know where you're going and lastly, right. I, I think this is the educational, that's where I work in. And uh, our area is when I am host my, I have a luncheon that I do with my uh, people who want to come and listen. It's kind of a nice little thing to do. And I teach on this and I said, you know, there's the lie that we should not uh, interfere with a woman and her medical doctor. That this is all between her and and the doctor. Her. Now, first of all, in PEI, it's kind of funny because we don't have doctors. A lot of Canadians don't have have a, for their own medical doctor. So you're getting some medical professional that you have no relationship to mm. in there. So that this this bond of intimacy that's implied is simply not there. That's one thing. Secondly, it implies also that statement that the medical professional is certainly going to counsel towards an abortion. Well, wait a second, a medical doctor went into to medicine because they want to save lives, not take lives. So right. that's a, a bit of a slap in the face to the medical doctors. Uh -huh. And then yeah. look at our young woman who's distressed, she's in crisis, she doesn't know what to do. In every other area of a woman's life, she has her friends, her aunties, her employers, you name it. If you and I want to buy a new pair of shoes, what are we going to do? We'll call our girlfriends and go shopping together and say, do you think this one? Do you think that one? You know, we seek advice in everything. If I buy a new computer, I'm going to go to the people who understand about computers and talk to them. And then I'm going to take their advice and say, hmm, I'm going to do this or that, you know? So why is it that we put all of a sudden this woman who's in a very vulnerable state in isolation say, oh, no, no, we can't talk to her about that. So when mm. when we look at that, I say like, wait a sec, that that's a myth that that's that we can't move into that relationship. In fact, it's our duty because I might be your best friend. I might be your mom. I might be your sister. I might be your, a colleague who has words of life saying, do you not know uh, this and this are our other options. We can help you through this. Talk to Mary Jane over there. Talk to Bob over there. He can see you through. They've experienced this. They've, they're on the other side. Here you can get uh, uh, financial aid. Here you could get this. Let's talk to the employer and see how we can manage, you know, child and work issues together. Um, in every other area, we have advice and experts around us where we seek out help to make the best decisions. And all of a sudden, our country says, oh, no, no, we're not supposed to be able to do that. It's between a woman and a doctor, and she's left alone, and she can do whatever I want, and it'll be, it'll be fine. And our yeah. law and our government, everybody's going to uphold this. And the victims of this is the child and the mother, where she's yes. left alone. And the solution to this is you and I. Because mm -hmm. not only are you and I talking about this, so we're going to both leave with more insight and more knowledge and uh, consideration for the needs of our fellow man and women in the world yeah. today, but also the listeners. 
you know, and they're going to take that say to, you know, to their friend and maybe pass on your podcast and say, hey, you should listen to this. You know, yes. this gal talked mm-hmm. about this or did you not hear what she said? You know, we were talk- weren't we talking to Susie Q last week? Um, she was talking about this very issue. Let's, you know, and they, it, the message gets spread. Yeah, so, that's exactly why we're recording yeah, today. Exactly. We yes. are the key. So mm-hmm. if we I had a PowerPoint presentation, I have a little key <laughs> coming out. Key to the yes. heart. Um, you and I are that key. The more yeah. we educate the everyday people of Canada to mm-hmm. speak and empower them to speak words of life, yes. not death, yeah. of life, then when we meet that gal, maybe at the grocery store, maybe in our churches, maybe at, at school, you know it, anywhere, hockey rink, wherever, Tim Hortons, if there's one in three women who've had or are seeking abortions, that means we've got at least two other people in our field every single day. We could play with statistics like that to see just how much. But the the point I'm driving home is that this is everywhere. We always need to be ready to speak words of life. I'm so grateful that you joined us for this important conversation today. Uh, There will be another new episode, like I mentioned at the beginning, uh, next week, as Pat and I um, dive in again to discuss the beautiful role we have as mothers to teach our children the value of life and to live um, and how to live with a willingness to serve and grow and sacrificial integrity. It really is an honor uh, to walk alongside each one of you as we seek to grow as women and mothers and as the humble recipients of God's grace. So I pray that you have a wonderful week. And um, as always, I just would love to ask you if these episodes are speaking to you, if they have been informative and encouraging to you, please take a minute to just click on the leave a review button because that is the way that we um, get more ears listening to these episodes. It's how we reach more people. That's the, the benefit of leaving a review or sharing it with someone else so if you have a minute to do that or um, any desire to just pass this on please go ahead and do that Um, it means so much to myself and and um, anyways that's all I wanted to say for now I will see you here again next week